Chapter Thirty One of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty One: The Death of Dusang. Whispering Smith, with his horse in a lather, rode slowly back twenty minutes later with Seagrew disarmed ahead of him. The deserted battleground was alive with men. Stormy Gorman, hot for blood, had come back, captured Carg, and begun swearing all over again, and Smith listened with amiable surprise while he explained that seeing dancing killed and not being able to tell from Whispering Smith's peculiar tactics which side he was shooting at, Gorman and his companions had gone for help. While they angrily surrounded Carg and Seagrew, Smith slipped from his horse where Bill Dancing lay, lifted the huge head from the dust, and tried to turn the giant over. A groan greeted the attempt. "'Bill, open your eyes!' why would you not do as i wanted you to he murmured bitterly to himself a second groan answered him smith called for water and from a canteen drenched the pallid forehead talking softly meanwhile but his efforts to restore consciousness were unavailing he turned to where two of the cowboys had dragged karg to the ground and three others had their old companion seagrew in hand while two held huge revolvers within six inches of his head, the third was adjusting a rope-knot under his ear. Whispering Smith became interested. "'Hold on,' said he mildly. "'What is loose? What are you going to do?' "'We're going to hang these fellows,' answered Stormy, with a volley of hair-raising imprecations. "'Oh, no, just put them on horses, under guard.' "'That's what we're going to do,' exclaimed the foreman. "'Only we're going to run em over to those cottonwoods "'and drive the horses out from under em. "'Stand still, you tow-headed cow-thief,' he cried, "'slipping the noose up tight on George Seagrew's neck. "'See here,' returned Whispering Smith, showing some annoyance. "'You may be joking, but I'm not. "'Either do as I tell you, or release those men.' "'Well, I guess you're not joking very much. "'You heard me, didn't you?' demanded Stormy angrily. "'We're going to string these damned critters up right here in the draw on the first tree.' Whispering Smith drew a pocket-knife and walked to Flatnose, slit the rope around his neck, pushed him out of the circle, and stood in front of him. "'You can't play horse with my prisoners,' he said curtly. "'Get over here, Carg. Come now.' who's going to walk in first you act like a schoolboy gorman hard words in a wrangle followed but smith did not change expression and there was a back down have you fellows let de sang get away while you were playing fool here he asked de sang's over the hill there on his horse and full of fight yet exclaimed one then we will look him up suggested smith come seagrew "'Don't go over there. He'll get you if you do,' cried Gorman. "'Let us see about that, Seagrew. You and Carg walk ahead. Don't duck or run, either of you. Go on.' Just over the brow of the hill near which the fight had taken place, a man lay below a ledge of granite. The horse from which he had fallen was grazing close by, but the man had dragged himself out of the blinding sun to the shade of the sagebrush, 
above the rock. The trail of it all lay very plain on the hard ground. Watching him narrowly, Smith, with his prisoners ahead and the cowboys riding in a circle behind, approached. Dusang, The man in the sagebrush turned his head. Smith walked to him and bent down. Are you suffering much, Dusang? The wounded man, sinking with shock and internal hemorrhage, uttered a string of oaths. Smith listened quietly till he had done. Then he knelt beside him and put his hand on Desang's hand. Tell me where you're hit, Desang. Put your hand to it. Is it the stomach? Let me turn you on your side. Easy. Does your belt hurt? Just a minute now. I can loosen that. I know you, muttered Desang thickly. Then his eyes, terrible, rolling pink eyes, brightened, and he swore violently. Desang, you're not bleeding much, but I'm afraid you're badly hit, said Whispering Smith. Is there anything I can do for you? Get me some water. A creek flowed at no great distance below the hill, but the cowboys refused to go for water. Whispering Smith would have gone with Seagrew and Carg, but Desang begged him not to leave him alone, lest Gorman should kill him. Smith canvassed the situation a moment. I'll put you on my horse, said he at length, and take you down to the creek. He turned to the cowboys and asked them to help, but they refused to touch Dusang. Whispering Smith kept his patience. Carg, take that horse's head, said he. Come here, Seagrew. Help me lift Dusang on the horse. The boys seem to be afraid of getting blood on their hands. With Whispering Smith and Seagrew supporting Dusang in the saddle, and Carg leading the horse, the cavalcade moved slowly down to the creek where a tiny stream purled among the rocks. The water revived the injured man for a moment. He had even strength enough with some help to ride again, and, moving in the same halting order, they took him to Rebstock's cabin. Rebstock, at the door, refused to let the sinking man be brought into the house. He cursed Dusang as the cause of all the trouble. But Dusang cursed him with usury, and while Whispering Smith listened, told Rebstock with bitter oaths that if he had given the boy Barney anything but a scrub horse, they never would have been trailed. More than this concerning the affair Dusang would not say, and never said. The procession turned from the door. Seagrew led the way to Rebstock's stable, and they laid Dusang on some hay. Afterward they got a cot under him. With surprising vitality he talked a long time to Whispering Smith, but at last fell into a stupor. At nine o'clock that night he sat up. Ed Banks and Kennedy were standing beside the cot. Dusang became delirious and in his delirium called the name of Whispering Smith. But Smith was at Bag's cabin with Bill dancing. In a spasm of pain, Dusang, opening his eyes, suddenly threw himself back. The cot broke, and the dying man rolled under the feet of the frightened horses. In the light of the lanterns they lifted him back, but he was bleeding slowly at the mouth, quite dead. The surgeon afterward found two fatal wounds upon him, 
The first shot passing through the stomach explained Dussang's failure to kill at a distance in which, uninjured, he could have placed five shots within the compass of a silver dollar. Firing for Whispering Smith's heart, he had, despite the fearful shock, put four bullets through his coat before the rifle ball from the ground, tearing at right angles across the path of the first bullet, had cut down his life to a question of hours. Bill Dancing, who had been hit in the head and stunned, had been moved back to the cabin at Mission Spring and lay in the little bedroom. A doctor at Oroville had been sent for, but had not come. At midday of the second day, Smith, who was beside his bed, saw him rouse up and noted the brightness of his eyes as he looked around. Bill, he declared hopefully as he sat beside the bed, you're better, hang it. I know you are. How do you feel? Ain't that blamed doctor here yet? And give me my boots. I'm going back to Medicine Bend to Doc Torpy. In the morning, Whispering Smith, who had cleansed and dressed the wound and felt sure the bullet had not penetrated the skull, offered no objection to the proposal beyond cautioning him to ride slowly. You can go down part way with the prisoners, Bill, suggested Whispering Smith. Brill Young is going to take them to Oroville, and you can act as chairman of the guard. Before the party started, Smith called Sigru to him. George, you saved my life once. Do you remember in the panhandle? Well, I gave you yours twice in the cash, day before yesterday. I don't know how badly you are end of this thing. If you kept clear the killing at Tower W, I will do what I can for you. Don't talk to anybody. End of chapter 31